You're listening to The Bridge Metro West, located at 7 Strathmore Road in Natick, Massachusetts. For more information about The Bridge Metro West, our weekly Sunday gatherings, and other events, go to www.bridgemetrowest.com. God is good. And all the time. Well, welcome to the bridge. I want to welcome you guys. Thank you for being a part this morning. Welcome to our online family, in-house family. Give our online family a hand this morning. But if you're local, you should be here. You should be here. So, um... I want to do uh, a couple things this morning, and uh, right now, this is a little bit out of sequence of what we thought we were going to do, but I want to take a moment and receive our tithes and offerings, whatever the Lord lays on your heart to give, and the reason for that is over the course of the, the next several weeks, uh, we're going to be sowing into some specific initiatives, both globally and locally, um, not only as we close out the year, but really as, as long as it takes, and uh, you know, obviously in-house, we still have things that, that we're doing and, uh, you know, we're looking at new places to sow. We're, we're beginning to look into Worcester as well. Um, and we sow into a place to turn and we find organizations that are doing things really well and we partner with them. Um, we don't have to put the Bridge Metro West stamp on everything. We just want to see kingdom come in New England, whatever that takes. Amen. Amen. And so um, as we sow in uh, this morning, uh, you can make checks out just to the bridge. You can text one word, one word, Bridge Metro West, to the number 94000, or you can scan the QR code on the back of your chairs, which is a handy-dandy thing. I think everybody knows how to do QR codes now. <laughs> Almost every, except for Maybell. <laughs> and Verna. <laughs> and Winnie, Okay. So uh, following the class, uh, or the, the service today, we're going to have a class in the back on how to scan QR codes. I just figured by now, everybody. My parents, my mom even, when, when she was alive, like she, she was technologically advanced for her age. I mean, she stalked me on every social media pr- platform, and she was on Instagram, Twitter, and this and that. I, I don't know. She was an interesting one. And now she's in a great cloud of witnesses. So having a party with some of our best friends. Um, And we really believe in this kingdom dynamic that is released uh, when we become radically generous. And it's just something, it's a gift that the Lord has uh, released in this house. We've seen incredible things. You know, a few years ago, uh, got real bold in a moment. And it was a spontaneous prayer at the time. Now it's almost like our charismatic liturgy where I prayed that God would give us jobs that we don't even apply for and promotions that we're not even looking for. And it was interesting that immediately, every month we got a testimony of someone who got a job that they didn't apply for. Or, and, usually and, someone applied for one job, but they got a better job than what they applied for. We had, this week, so there's another one, Mike Jandrew. Mike, come on up, I'm gonna come up, tell us what happened. I don't have time for this, I don't care. We always got time for testimony. So Jenner and I applied for jobs with a transportation company, and um, I we I had originally applied for um, 
a driver position because I enjoy driving on the road, but I couldn't do it because I have a little ding on my driving record. So they downgraded me to um, a, mo a, a monitor position, which actually assists the driver. Um, so we were going through that process, but somebody got a hold of the resume that I uh, um, had, had sent in with the application, and now I'm a transport coordinator. So I'm actually in the office coordinating the drivers, not just sitting on the bus with the driver. So uh, started this week. Amen. Come on. I'm telling you, this stuff happens all the time. It's, it's amazing. I can't keep track of, uh, well, we could probably. I, we have Mike develop some system where we could keep track of all the, the testimonies that come in. It's really radical. And so I just want you, you to know, it, it's, not, it's not that we, we give to get, but you can't out-bless God. It's just a kingdom dynamic that's released. You know, Genesis 1.28, we started with a blessing. That doesn't go away. God wants to bless you. And when we really become free from this orphan spirit or orphan mentality, where we realize we have a good father, then we're not afraid to receive the blessing anymore of God. Amen? So God, I pray in the name of Jesus. And in this holy moment, recognizing this gift of radical generosity that you have bestowed upon us, Lord, we release that which is in our hands and we place it in your hands. That's, that's what a gift is. We just release authority of that which we release, God. We give it to you. And God, every time we do this, I just imagine, you know, people at a college football game when the, the ball's about to be kicked off and they just, they're just yelling, go. I just say, go, Lord. Let your kingdom move across the earth. Lord, we want to partner with you. We want to co-labor with you. We want to see people saved come into newness of life to have joy become their strength even in troublesome times, God. Would you come with your sovereignty, with your glory, with your spirit, with your fire, with your passion, and move in this room, in this act, God. And Lord, again, as we give today, I do pray and declare that kingdom dynamic come crashing down into this room. Lord, as we try to bless you and we long to bless you and to make your name famous, you cause your presence to be magnified in our midst. You literally come riding on the cloud of the sound that we release. And so I'm being bold once again. Lord, I'm, I'm asking for jobs and marketplace favor upon your sons and your daughters in this room right now. I'm praying for jobs that we don't even apply for, promotions we're not even looking for. Show the world who your sons and your daughters are and we will supply the needs of the kingdom around the world in Jesus' name, amen. So you can pass the baskets. We're gonna close with communion today. How many of you, um, how many of you know that we do communion every morning at 7 a.m. on our Bridge Fam online group? Say about half. So every morning, and I think it's on the app too, if you have a Bridge Metro West app, and it may be even on the website, it's everywhere. It's everywhere you want to be. So um, we, we do communion every, every morning at 7. And, uh, you know, the last couple weeks, or the last, um, last couple weeks, time, I have no sense of time. In the last week, I've, I've been spending a lot of time in First in and Second Peter. I'm not really sure why, I just... Um, I just ended up there and been reading a lot out of the Passion Translation. Uh, Dr. Brian Simmons, who's a, a dear friend of this house, he's a, 
kind of a friend and a mentor to us, uh, and it has been in the past. Debbie and I used to drive down and meet him and Candace in Mystic, Connecticut, at the Starbucks there, and um, and uh, he he's just poured a lot out uh, upon us, uh, especially in those early days. Uh, as we were worship leading and transi- transitioning into this role that we're in now. Um, but he's got this, this amazing uh, translation that he's been working on. It really makes the, the scriptures come alive. And, you know, some people are critical of any new translation. Uh, I'm critical of some translations, um, but I always bounce it off, you know, over some classical translations like the New American Standard. Uh, I like the English Standard Version. Um, I even have, have been regaining a, a greater appreciation for the King James, uh, which I grew up with. You know, I mean, I was, you know, fourth grade. I remember reading the red letters in the King James Version, and I didn't know what I was reading sometimes, but I knew that something was coming alive in me while I read, and that was what spurred me on, was the experience of his word, not just a, an academic pursuit of, of letters on a page, but actually having experiences with the word. And... Um, we, you know, I was talking this morning about, uh, you know, my surgery. I had spine surgery back on August 8th. And just this week, I started working out again. Uh, yeah, it was fun. I don't know if I was clapping. Because uh, when you haven't worked out in a while and you first start working out, it doesn't feel, you know, it, it doesn't feel like great. <laughs> to go from being uh, in the human condition, from being sedentary to being in motion, it takes a, a little bit of effort, and it, it's, a, it's a, a unified effort of your mind, your body, your soul, your spirit maybe. I don't know, maybe not your spirit, but because your spirit wants to run anyway. But it, you know, I can remember that even, even when I was a kid and training for soccer and stuff, and I, you know, I... I wasn't always super disciplined, but then camp would happen. Now you're doing, you know, anywhere from one to three practices a day. And I I still remember the day that I had to run 5.6 miles. Like, I'm not a a distance runner kind of guy. And I'm not a run for the sake of running thing. Like, I need a, like, a ball. I'm like a dog. Like, you just roll a ball out, I'll chase it. But, like, just to run 5.6 miles because someone told you to, like, you know, I know that cross country's big, right? You know, we, we I, I can't, no, I, I, no. I don't understand it. Like, you're just going to run for no reason. I mean, it's a great sport, and I know there's a reason, the reasons to win and to better yourself and all that kind of stuff. I need more than that. I need a little more motivation. If there was, like, like full contact cross country, I would have been all about that. Like, you lay people out while you run 5.6 miles. I, I would have been in on that. I could do that. You know, get a little yellow card or something like that. And I got really good at doing that, playing soccer, because my parents told me if I got carded during a game, I would be grounded. So I, I learned how to lay people out without getting caught. Um, until I went to college, and they weren't around, they couldn't see it, and then I just overtly laid people out. Um, and then I found Jesus. No, I, I had Jesus. I just I sort of left him on the sideline when I got in the soccer field. I have to confess that. You know, I tried to do both, but, I, you know... You know. Anyway, so so this week, you know, I get on the Peloton and and I'm starting to move things that haven't been moved in a while. And uh, you know, I don't know if it hurt. I just felt sluggish. 
you're going from this thing where you've been sitting around and doing nothing. You know, I've gained like 10 pounds since the surgery because you know, I sat around and ate and, you know, and then you're on these medications post-surgery, which kind of give you the munchies anyway. And so I'm eating crackers like at one in the morning and, and then I'm finding like these cheese dips. I'm like, oh, there's pub cheese. Oh, I'm going to have some pub cheese. That's a great thing to eat like uh, at three in the morning because I was up a lot. But there comes this time, this moment where you know you've got to get out of yourself and you, start, you need to start moving forward. And to start moving forward, you just got to start moving. You got to get in shape. And as the natural things speak of the invisible. And so it's not that different in the spirit, but we've got to get our spirit man in shape. We've got to develop character within us that moves us forward in the purposes of God so that we become more effective. You know, when we do these communions, I often will pray that, you know, Holy Spirit, come and search us and know us and find anything in us that inhibits the free flow of your glory, of your grace, of your light, of your love, your power, your anointing, you know, and I'll just throw some of those attributes in there because that's what sin is. Sin is the inhibitor. Sin is the thing that we place between our face and his. And on the other side of the cross, sin isn't there. The sin issue does not lead us unto condemnation, but what it does do is it inhibits us in our effectiveness for the kingdom. Because we all, you know, want to have an experience with God. You know, people want anointing. They want more Holy Spirit. You know, and I hear these things. But when we position ourselves before him, we literally become this conduit of the free flow of his glory and his grace for other people. And sometimes in our context, that gets lost because we live, first of all, in a land that's known as the land of the free. And we have our rights, and we have our rights as individuals. And sometimes the culture of the land enters the culture of the kingdom. And the reality is, yet we do live in the, the land of the free, but in our freedom, there is responsibility. Everywhere in Scripture gr where grace is given, responsibility is assumed. And so we don't abdicate responsibility. We don't, and Paul teaches this in his letters, it, we, don't, we don't live a lifestyle of licentiousness, as, as it might be called, we live now a lifestyle that is suitable for one who is marked by royalty. And it doesn't mean that we're, we're not going to screw up. It doesn't mean that there will be times where we hold things between our face and his. And now there are things that, that enter into our lives that begin to block the flow of the spirit and the freedom of the spirit that he wants to have flow through you. But don't worry, his mercies are new every morning. His grace is sufficient for you. His love does endure forever. And the power of the cross is enough to transform you from one level of glory to another level of glory, even this morning. There's usually very few times of the day that I'm more cranky than when I wake up in the morning. I need to read the book. One of my, Deb's favorite books is Good Morning, Holy Spirit. It's a great book. I've never read it. I looked at it, I've held it in my hand, I've heard about it, but I didn't read it. Because sometimes there's just areas of your life that you don't want to be challenged in right now. 
every once in a while, I put my feet on the floor and I put my hand on my belly right away and I say, Holy Spirit, fill me afresh. And a certain percentage of the time, I mean it. And sometimes I'm just sort of doing it as liturgy. But I am not outside of this requirement to, be, to live a lifestyle marked by royalty. And so I, I found myself becoming more disciplined, at least, in some areas of my life, in how I start my day, and what I, I fix my eyes onto throughout the day, starting with the Word, you know, reading, you know, at least reading one or through uh, sections of one or two books per day, and really expanding my knowledge of Him, His influence in me, and what he wants me to do on the earth. But I still haven't quite, quite gotten to good morning, Holy Spirit, like right out of the gate, but we'll get there. But when you go from, even in a spiritual sense, a sedentary space to wanting to get in motion, which we've all experienced that in our walk. We've all had moments and periods of time. You know, if you've been doing this thing for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, you've had moments of time where all of a sudden you've been sedentary. You know, Mama Verna talked last year about being stuck. We've all been through it. And sometimes it, when you first go from being stuck to intentionally putting yourself in motion, it's almost like there's a pull in your gut, like you really don't want to do this. But the word of the Lord today is this. It's time to get in shape. And so 1 Peter chapter 1, 14 through 16, out of the, pa the Passion Translation, it says this. I'm just making it easy for me. So then, prepare your hearts and minds for action. Somebody say action. Stay alert. And fix your hope firmly on the marvelous grace that is coming to you. For when Jesus Christ is unveiled, a greater measure of grace will be released to you. As God's obedient children, never again shape your lives by the desires you followed when you didn't know better. Instead, shape your lives to become like the Holy One who called you. For Scripture says, you are to be holy because I am holy. Now let me clarify that Ephesians chapter 2 says that we are saved by grace through faith alone. So we're not entering into some behavioral modification process where we suddenly become worthy of salvation. It's not. It's not that. It's on the other side of salvation. We recognize that there's a responsibility now to live up to this work that Jesus has placed upon us, this regenerated spirit that we have within us, the mark of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.15 says that we've been given the spirit of adoption, literally this, this spirit of belonging that has transformed us from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his life, uh, of his light, and now we are in his royal household. We are literally children of the king. We are sons and daughters. We're like, we're like a prince and a princess. And in that, we have access to the throne, but we also have the responsibility of the title. And I, I love the story in Genesis where God comes to Abram when he's 99 years old 
and he says, walk before me and be blameless. He identified, you know, I'm the Lord God. Walk before me and be blameless. And there's two aspects of this. Now, when we come into Christ, we're a new creation, right? Romans 8, 1 says, there's no, therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So this isn't about avoiding some kind of, you know, uh, eternal punishing judgment. Once we're in Christ, we are free from that. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But the word also says he disciplines those he loves. Because that's what good parents do. Find a parent that never disciplines their child, and you're going to find a household that you don't want to hang out in. You discipline those that you love. It, it's not a response in anger, although you might be angry sometimes. Now, I, I'm not anti-spanking. I don't, don't even, you know, don't talk to me about that. You, I ain't got time for that. But let me tell you, Everybody's got their deals. Look, if you love your kids, this is what I found. The older I get, the, re the reality is if you love your kids, by the time they're adults, whatever book you read, whatever methodology you use, they all kind of turn out the same. They all turn out to be pretty good kids for the most part. I tried. I mean, I tried not to be a good kid. I just wasn't very good at being bad. So anyway, I don't know. I'm going to reel that back. I don't even know what I was talking about. I, got, I started thinking about stories of things that I tried to do that were so so bad but you know if your kids are in Sunday school my sister tells stories about me every week so um, they know more about me than you do unfortunately <laughs> and I, unfortunately the stories are true the Lord disciplines those he loves so we're not outside of discipline and the discipline is designed to create in us character Perseverance, the, the fruit of the Spirit. And the first foretaste of the fruit of the Spirit is what? It's love, joy, and peace. Patience is of little value if you don't have love, joy, and peace. As a matter of fact, everything flows from love, joy, and peace. These three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is what? It's love. So we can modify our behavior all we want, but we, if we don't have an encounter with his love and have his love flowing to us and flowing through us, then all of our behaviors don't have the power of the one that has called us by name. And so when I'm talking about holiness, there's two, there's two aspects of holiness. But we have to come at it from this point where we understand that we're saved by grace through faith. And then we're not beating people over the head. We're not trying to change external uh, circumstances. You know, historically, uh, you know, the church that would teach on holiness, we would deal with the things that we could see with our natural eye first. I still remember, you know, as a kid in the church that I was growing up, up in this this guy walked in off the street and he, he I think he was drunk and he smelled of smoke and, you know, and he was wanting to to know about God in whatever state of mind that he was in, and the first things that were talked about is, well, we need to quit smoking. You need to quit doing this. You need to quit doing that. No, you need to say yes to Jesus, and then let's come to Him together and let's. Find out what he wants to do in your life in the order that he sees fit. But see, that requires, as a discipler, that requires as much relationship with the Lord as the one that we're standing in front of. Yeah. It's harder to do it that way. 
But that's what Jesus did. So the salvation and this regenerative power gift that we get from God, it's a gift. We can't earn our way into it. We, we don't earn stars. This is not like the Boy Scouts or the Eagle Scouts. You're not getting little badges. You're not earning your way into some stature. What you're doing is you're just saying yes to Jesus. You're making him the primary authority of your life, and you're learning what it means to walk in him. Salvation is a gift. Now, overcoming is an option, but we're called to be overcomers. We're called to be more than conquerors, but we don't get there unless we receive the free gift of salvation. Does that make sense? So grace activates the power of faith in our life. What is faith? Faith is that thing that calls things that are not as though they are. It leans into this unshakable hope that God actually is able to do above and beyond anything that we could ever ask or think. Faith is what God himself used when he called light out of the darkness. He just said, be light. Light was not, there was a space that was dark, formless, and void. There was no light there. God, by faith, called something that was not in existence in that space as though it was fully manifest in that moment. And using the building blocks of faith that he had created, he called light forth into the darkness. That's why we're called to walk by faith, because that's what he did. He's just asking us to walk the way that he walked. Does that make sense? Okay, so grace activates the power of faith in our life. Grace embeds holiness in our life. And grace spurs us into action through our life in Jesus. There's this aspect of holiness that we take on, not because of what we do, but because of where we're standing. So when God says to Abram, he says, walk before me and be blameless. We think that what God is saying, and those of you who've been here, I know you've heard this a hundred times. You're gonna hear it a hundred more times till we get it, till we all get it. But we, we think that he's asking Abram, okay, you're gonna walk in front of me and you gotta work really hard. That means, you know, you gotta quit smoking, you gotta quit drinking, you gotta get better clothes, cover up those tattoos and be blameless. So you better be blameless. If you want all these, these promises I'm gonna give you, you better just deal with your stuff and get it together no what God is saying is the the Hebrew word for before me is literally the skin of my face the skin of the face so he's saying walk toward my face and you imperatively will be blameless why because you're standing here you can't stand here and be who you were before you cannot stand here and live life the way that you live before because my nature is greater than your nature and so when you come into the presence of the living God he brings you to the point of decision do you want to stay there or do you want to go back to to the stuff that you were doing before He's not forcing you into anything, but what he is saying is, if you choose to stay in the space of my blessing, in the space of the light of my countenance that will shine to you and through you, you will come into transformation. Now, on the other side of transformation, it's incumbent upon you to now shape your lives into holiness. Where the church has missed it, particularly since the move of God at Azusa Street in the early 1900s, is that we focused on the shaping of our lives and we left behind the encounter. We built a system of religion that we called holiness without the encounter with the Holy One who would make us holy. 
and then give us a target to shoot for. See, the issue is that a lot of, a lot of people come into this encounter with the presence of God, but they don't really want to be transformed by it. That's how people come to church for years and years and years, and they never say yes to Jesus because they get the goosebumps, they get the feels. It, look, Jesus had 10,000 at the side of the mountain when he was doing all the signs, wonders, and miracles, but how many were in the upper room? 120. But Jesus is willing to go through the 10,000 at the side of the mountain to get to the 120 that would remain in the upper room so that when the Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter 2, they could spill out and under the streets, and now there's 3,000 saved in a day. His presence brings you to the point of decision. The decision, then, is between you and Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit convicts of sin. If you're not a believer, I'm not asking you to focus on your sin. I'm asking you to declare that Jesus is Lord. And then let Holy Spirit begin to identify sin issues in you. See, it's the believer that is called... I, you know, I've had people come here, and they, they literally left another church to come here because they didn't believe in repentance. And, you know, the other church, they're like, well, that church, they're always asking us to repent. I was like, well, I mean, ain't going to be much different here. <laughs> what is repentance? It's just turning your face back to him. It's recognizing that there are spaces and places in our life and things, uh, events, objects, our history, um, activities that we place between our face and his. And repentance takes that thing and it removes it says, you know what, I want to just look upon you fully and allow your nature, as Paul wrote to the church of Corinth, to transform me from one level of glory to another level of glory. Because he always leads with his goodness. Romans 2, 2, his kindness, his goodness leads us to repentance. What does that mean? He leads with his goodness to capture our attention so that we would look into his wonderful face and then the things of this earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I know that's an old chorus. I wish it was scripture. I quote it a lot, but it's so true. I've experienced it when you know, everything in my life just seems to be scattered or disoriented or displaced and everything feels like it's falling apart when I get into that space and I just, with my eyes of faith, I look full into his wonderful face and all of the circumstances of life don't seem to matter so much anymore. And in that, we begin to shape our lives. We begin to co-labor with God to bring about this condition in us that we call holiness. What is holiness? It's literally just being marked, being set apart, being consecrated for the purposes of God. Israel, the Hebrew nation, they were a holy nation. Why? Because God marked them. They didn't always shape their lives into this thing that we call holiness. But nevertheless, God had covenanted with them. And when you say yes to Jesus, you enter into this covenant with God. And he is more faithful than we could ever be. So this holiness begins when you stand before him. 
I say it week in and week out, when the word of the Lord is released, it demands a response. We live in a culture where spiritual procrastination is the norm. We think if we miss this moment that, oh, there'll be, uh, I'll catch the next one. The reality is when you miss a moment, you never get that moment again. I've been doing this long enough. You never get that moment again. He, yeah, sure, he, by his grace down the road, he'll give you another moment. But this moment, this day, this space that you're in today, there will never be another day like this. I learned this, you know, back in, even as a young guy in, in these revival times where I, I just realized that any day, any given day, there could be the most incredible manifest presence presenting himself, God, in a greater measure of his nature, in a greater measure of his character being released into the atmosphere. I understood that, that it could happen today, and so I wanted to be the first guy in and the last guy out. Day in, day out, nightly revival meetings, sacrificing my time, sacrificing, you know, even in my 20s, all these things that I thought I could be doing, they paled in comparison to the goodness of the manifest presence of the living God. And I understood, my good friend Brian Cooney wrote a song, and one of the lines in the song was, there will never be another day like today. I found him today. He wants you to find him today. And he wants to find you today in a greater way than you've ever experienced before. And it doesn't matter if you've been saved for two days or two decades or more. There's a freshness available to you. Holy Spirit, fill me afresh. Good morning, Holy Spirit. It's time to get in shape. Holiness begins when you stand before him. Holiness is strengthened when you walk with him. And holiness is preserved when you shape your life to be like him. That's what it means to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. We are to engage all aspects of our being. Sometimes in our stream, we think things are like a charismatic magic trick. Transformation is this, you know, if I worship just hard enough, I'll be transformed and then everything will be okay. Yes, we're to love the Lord with all of our heart, our soul, but also to engage our mind with him. So as the Holy Spirit begins to search you and know you and understanding that it's not out of condemnation. So I always have to clarify that because we live in a culture here, especially in New England. And many people have been raised in a particular church where condemnation was the thing. It was fear-based. It was fear-driven. But that's not what, what he did. That's not what he's here for. Romans 8.1, it applies across the board. That's why, you know, a lot of times when I'm discipling people, I ask them to read Romans 1 through 8, but you got to get it all in one sitting. Because if you are raised in a particular denomination, by the time you get to Romans 3, 4, 5, like you're starting to feel really bad about yourself. But there's no condemnation. You've been given the spirit of adoption. 
You're no longer slaves to fear. But he's given you the law of life now. This beautiful exchange in the spirit. So when Holy Spirit comes to search you and know you, you can engage him with your mind and say, oh yeah, you know what? I felt when, when I did this or my attitude was that, I felt the Holy Spirit kind of being chased. My realization like that song says, let us become more aware of your presence. My awareness of your presence began to become dim because I took my eyes off you and I put it on this thing. I put it on that driver who cut me off on Route 9. The other driver who ran the red light every single day. Love, joy, and peace is not subject to our circumstances unless we allow it to be. It's time to get in shape. That's maturity. So while this life we live is not a system of behavioral modification, there is an aspect of what we do where we co-labor with the Spirit in the order that He sees fit to modify things in our lives so that we look more like Jesus. Because the world, they need a target to shoot for. And that target ain't the guy that I was 30 years ago. That target is Christ in me, the hope of glory today. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Bridge Metro West in Natick, Massachusetts. Paul David Gidgery is the senior pastor at the Bridge. For more information about the Bridge Metro West family, our gatherings and events, visit www.bridgemetrowest.com or call us at 508-651-0277.